The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops podcast, the NBA finals have concluded. Eric Newman in person in L.A. with BJ Armstrong coming off of the... uh, the Game 6 thriller, which unfortunately included an injury to Clay Thompson, but the Toronto Raptors are champions. BJ, great to be out west with you. Congratulations on a, another spot-on prediction, oh. but uh, <laughs> more importantly, um, a great story seeing the Raptors capture the NBA title despite the injuries that we saw. Yeah, you know, first we, we definitely want to, you know, really have our our prayers and our thoughts with, not only Clay Thompson, but Kevin Durant, and God, we just, you just feel awful anytime you see a kid get injured, and we we understand injuries are part of the game. Um, but in light of that, you really have to give credit where credit is due. The Toronto Raptors, what an amazing season they've had! I'm not sure if that was the intention at the beginning of the season when they started making those trades, and I'm not sure that. They thought that this was even possible. I um, mean, the 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 risk of making the Kawhi deal, obviously the best case scenario was this situation. Right. Going out and getting Mark Gasol in February, I thought, went very under the radar. And his presence on the floor cannot be measured in numbers, but what that guy did for that team I think is something that, as we see now, helped result in an NBA championship, just an incredible contributor. And you can compare this in many ways to the 2011 Mavericks, but sometimes it really serves you best when you're below the radar. It It really does. You 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 know, look. Everything has to start with Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi is a okay. He is a superstar in every sense. Mega global, global star okay, as far as level of play. Right. Let's let's you know when you when you're talking about what it takes to win, everyone's talking about well we need to put a super team together. We need to put this together. Okay. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. Right. Arguably, their next best player is Pascal Siakam. Kyle Lowry, I know, is an all-star, but this guy, Kawhi Leonard, is that good. Okay, first. Second, the leadership of Masai to make that deal, trade a very popular player, arguably one of, if not the most popular player, in DeMar DeRozan. They've had a lot of success. They won 58, 59 games a year before, right? An all-star player. all-star Perennial all-star player, okay? DeMar yep. Rosen is one of my favorite players, right? The way he plays, plays hard, he's tough. Terrific got some, player. Got some old school to him. Yeah. Uh, Lands on two feet. You, you, you yes, he does. <laughs> then you, then you fire the coach of the year. Coach of the year, right? And, I mean, the guy had a terrific year. All of the things, right? Excellent coach. Yep. Okay. Just that that now just wasn't working. You know, and and, and Kyle Lowry's well, let me, let me, hold on. Let me let me say that a little differently. That worked to build a successful competitive basketball team, but him knowing that they maxed out that group and the willingness to make those moves, that's what's so unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you should know your team better than anyone else. But you know, also let's not, let, let's also say you know he's a beneficiary of timing as well. I mean, LeBron was not in the Eastern. Eastern Conference this year. Yep. Kyle Lowry, as I was saying, was, you know, his roles in the playoffs, he's been up and down, you know? Yep. Um, 
But, you know, it was just incredible how it all came together for them, how it all came together. And, yeah, we had an idea maybe, but you knew he didn't really believe that team could win. That's why they went out and got Marcus Gasol. Yeah. Okay. And then- the most impressive, The most impressive to me, man, I asked Masai – when I saw him in at the com- at the combine there in Chicago, I said the most impressive thing about all of this is that you took a perennial starter, okay, in Serge Ibaka, and you put him on the bench, and he willingly went to the bench. Now I don't know if he willingly accepted that, but to take a player of his caliber, yep. a la Andre Iguodala, that gives you a sixth starter. And it gives you another identity and an anchor to your bench. Yep. Versatility, defense, experience. He was one of the keys. That's a great call. He he has been the key to me to their team because arguably they are – Marcus O is a defensive player of the year, a former defensive player of the year. Yep. But arguably, the way the game was played today, they are a better defensive team. With Serge at the five. With Serge at the five. Siakam at the four. And for sure, they can play a different style. And for sure, he's a better shot blocker, better activity, and all of those things. But they both bring something very unique to the game. And he, to me, has been like an unsung hero because – I don't know another big off the bench that has played better than him throughout the playoffs. I was trying to think as I was watching him last night. He had like 10 points or something in the first quarter or the first half or something, and I thought, God, he he's a real problem. He made so many – you know those those eight, nine-footers in the middle of the paint oh. that he makes look so easy? That's a difficult shot when contested. So when they're running pick and roll and the Warriors are – not going to get sucked into the paint off of shooters. That's where he's ending up with those touches. And time yeah, after time after he's time, a, he's just making it. But he, he makes it look so easy because he's so athletic. He's so long. He's got such a great touch. But he he was so reliable for them on both ends of the floor. And the chemistry that was created and the guys – happily playing their roles otherwise. Like Danny Green, who struggled at many points in the series but had one big game. But him as a veteran who you know, okay, Kyle Lowry is the floor general and Kawhi's my small forward. Danny Green plays defense, shoots the three, championship experience, plugs in perfectly at the two. Siakam comes back from being banged up earlier in the playoffs and just has a, a very solid series all around. And then, obviously, this Van Fleet kid oh, is. is just so impressive. And it, it's – I call him the every man's player. Oh, it's great. It's great. You, you look at him This you guy go, went undrafted. Yeah, he's undrafted. You know, he's like – he's not really fast. He's not really tall. Yeah. You know, he's like – he's like – I feel like he's like us. You know what I mean? Do you see some of your game – in him, you're you're taller than him, but yeah, some of you guys do some of the same things. He's a tough little kid, and yeah. you know what? And that's what this league is really all about. You know, it just comes down to like toughness, and he's just a tough little player. And, and you know, the one thing I, I really admired about him throughout the playoffs is he wasn't shooting well throughout this playoffs, but he kept shooting. Yep. You know, and uh, you know that's a tribute to him. Obviously, he put in the work knowing whether he did it in the summer or during the season. And he had a, he kept his confidence to know that he can shoot it. And and the players kept the confidence. So, you know, we as, as a shooter, you know, you always like, at least that's what we used to say is like, you know, I'm never off. I just have periods of adjustments, <laughs> right? That's great. <laughs> that's what that's allows great. you to keep shooting, right? You know, like, oh, man, I, I remember one of the things I used to always say, if I, if I had a bad stretch, I would always – I would go and – I would always ask the janitor, is it really the rim like 10 feet? You might you might have messed up. And it was like kind of an inside joke with. I wish I had uh, that line back. In the yeah, back. you know, like it can't be me who's missing. It has to be make, make sure that the rim is level. You know what I mean? And uh, so I, I learned that from like Craig Hodges and Trent Tucker and those guys. They would always come out there and they would make the, 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 the people who were setting up the basket. They say, hey, I don't think it's right. And it was like an inside joke. Like, no, you just you're missing this week. But um, give him credit. The kid kept shooting, and he, he made big shots throughout the playoffs. 
no accident. Phil Handy's on that staff. You know, Phil. Uh, you know, Phil's been one of those guys that's been around, and you know what? You know, he's a pro's pro, and he 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 works and understands, and you know, he's a great what I call on the court coach. You know, he yeah. gets after you, and he plays, and he he provides the 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 physical presence as a coach on the floor. And um, I know a lot of players respect him because of what he does. And, uh, you know, he certainly brings the energy and the effort. Five straight finals as an assistant. Yeah, and he and he and he, he's comfortable with where he's at, you know. He, mm-hmm. he knows what he's he, – he's been around. He's been around this business. And, uh, you know, I'm really – all you know, I'm happy for him. And I played with Phil one year out in Golden State. Yeah. So, um you know, he's a good guy, good friend, and uh, really happy for him as well. And someone else you have a history with is uh, Nick Nurse. So Nick, we, we I, I do. Yeah, Nick is uh, from our Iowa days, and uh, you know he's he's you know he's a grinder. He's always been he's a he's what I call one of those lifers. He's a he's a lifer in the game. Um, always you know grinding the game and 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 going around and he he's come up through this business the hard way to say the least and i was I really was happy for him and uh happy how things turned out and um you just never know when your chance is going to make yourself available and he was ready for that moment and and i thought he was prepared for you know the moment of taking the reins as a head coach and uh, that says a lot about him and that they had the confidence to say, you know, that he's ready because he came under, he came in that seat under very difficult circumstances, to say the least, and um, unbelievably difficult. Yeah, and uh, but he fought through it, and um, and you know what, and look what happened—they won a world championship because of it. Did you have any instinct back in the day? He go the long run with coaching. Um, I knew he was a it was a lifer. You know, he was like one of those guys that was. You know, he was, he was like, he just always was talking basketball. You yeah. know, like, you know, two or three hours later, he's like, "Oh man, I gotta go," and he was like, still like there talking basketball. And um, I always knew that he loved the game. You know, you just know it when you meet people. He was like one of those guys. He didn't like, like, I had no idea that Steve Kerr would ever be a coach. But Nick, yeah, I, 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 I he was like one of those guys that you know is somehow, some way going to be involved in the game no matter what. So I always saw him as a lifer. And uh, so the fact that he has taken the route he's taken, I'm not surprised. But, you know, guys like Steve Kerr, I never I never would have guessed that he would turn out to coach in the NBA, let alone, I mean, he's he's been terrific as well. Yeah. Incredible perspective you have that you knew Nick Nurse 30 years ago. Yeah, you know, and, and, um, and, you know, it's not like he was a guy that played in the NBA and then we know how it works. Once you're in there, right. the opportunities present themselves and, you know, guys change course as you have. But like Nick Nurse wasn't a guy who played yeah, in the well, NBA. When, you, when you're just, in Iowa, you know, you all know, the people who like, sure, you know, but he just he just he just navigated the path and this is where he ends up. Yeah, he and, did. And he will go down. For eternity in Canada. Like, he, he will be part of the Canadian sports <laughs> narrative for the yeah. remainder of time. And that's a pretty special thing. He's coached in every league possible. Yeah. It's, like, uh, it's, it's In many ways, it's, it's different but similar in how Beeline mm-hmm. navigated his career. And it's crazy that he's now just getting to the NBA, but he coached at every single level. Yeah. And to see this align with nurse and then to take over after the changes they made you know i i, I was I, I don't know i don't know the stat but i was thinking like over the last like i don't know five or six years or so there's been a lot of first-year coaches that have won right i mean i can think of steve kerr oh there's only been five tyron lou ever it's and three of them have happened in the yeah, last and few I, was years. Just, I was just thinking as we're yeah, talking it's, it's like how many of these it's guys Kerr in 15 lou in 16, 16 nurse now riley in 82 uh, and westhead in 80 yeah i mean so i mean you're seeing something that's happened that's it's very rare yeah and um but good for him i mean good for that he stuck with his path he stuck with his dream and you know what He's really turned into a very nice coach. I mean, 
and you can tell he's prepared for it. I mean, without question, he was prepared for the role of the, the, the leadership role that he's assumed up there as a head coach. And um, I thought he did a, a great job. I mean, yeah. going just the fact that he went zoning, whatever, zoning one, boxing, boxing one, one, triangle and two, whatever in the it finals. Takes, man. Oh, it man, takes. that was that was that was one of the great moments for me as a fan of the game to watch a coach do that. And uh, yeah. I really enjoyed that. And we no longer have to hear about what a big mistake it was for him to call a timeout with three minutes left in Game Five. Well, the, I, the the over analysis of these moves, like things needed to happen after that for the Warriors to win the game. Like that drove me crazy. And you know, the criticism was they had the momentum, and the Warriors were gassed. Well, guess what? Uh, Toronto was pretty gassed too, and. The Warriors ended up making plays after that, but the criticism he got after that was completely ridiculous, in, in my yeah. opinion. Well, that and, that moment reminded me of a of a moment um, that we had actually in the finals versus the Portland Trailblazers. We were at home and we were down big. We're talking game. Getting, we're talking game, game six. It's closeout game. It's a closeout game. We were down big and and we didn't give up. But you know, if you're down sixteen late, you don't want to. You know, there's no no sense of expending that type of energy with your starters if you know you got to play a game seven. I think it was one of those. I think it was game six. We were down big, but long story short, um, Phil made a decision to come. You know, with the guys on the bench, if we're going to make a run, and lo and behold, we make a run with the guys on the bench. Yep. Now, now what makes that significant was we were the guys on the bench who came back against their starters and then we bring our starters back and then the game is over <laughs> so yeah. everyone says oh the bulls came back it's a little different when the starters are making the comeback because someone has to right that energy and i thought god like i can't forget how hard it is really to run 15 straight minutes on the treadmill <laughs> right <laughs> But you will recall if you get back on that treadmill, right? Yep. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nick Nurse, in my opinion, did the right thing because someone had to go out there and exert the energy and effort necessary to get back in the game. Yeah. And that team clawed its way back. Um, but that just remember, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember how tired we were. Yeah. When we just got back, and we were down like 16 or so, we get back in the game, and then Michael and Scotty come back in the game and finish the game. But their team was still on the floor. Right. Yeah. And that's what you don't see. They're, they're, but sucking, it's they're sucking for air, and then Mike and Scotty get off the bench. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And I, and I thought to myself, yeah, I can't forget that moment because yeah. <laughs> I was a little gassed. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So – so much to unpack from the finals, but obviously, as we both know, the NBA immediately pivots to the summer, the draft. Immediately changed. And the NBA, of course, changed due to the unfortunate injuries to Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. So to, to quickly run through this stuff, and this is going to be ongoing conversation we're going to have now for the next couple of weeks, but, you know... As we were looking at the summer before the KD injury, he was clearly the first free agent domino where everything else was going to be reactive off of what decision KD made. So sitting here right now, June 14th, right after the NBA Finals, obviously Kevin Durant has a lot to deal with. Injury, rehab timelines, what's going to be best for himself, his future. What do you, and obviously it's too soon to say, oh, what are you hearing? Who are you talking to? But we've never really seen a situation like this. So from your experience, <clears throat> what do you think KD ends up doing? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put my agent hat on, you know. Um, when KD got hurt, when KD went down in Toronto, you know, my phone started ringing right from clients who are going to be free agents, uh, colleagues of mine in that I work with, colleagues of mine who are other agents. Um, executives in the league. And for the this is the first time 
that I was getting calls from owners of wow, asking, that's interesting. what did I think? Um, so you're the ultimate sounding board. When well, this it's not happening. a sounding board. Everyone's or trying to get a feel get for a... the environment because mm-hmm. we all knew that it was going to change because of the impact of he's not going to be able to play next year. Now, we're hoping, and with technology and knock on wood, he comes back and he returns in a year or, or I mean, a year two or year three or whatever. But we don't know what the impact will be in that year where he won't be able to play. We know that. Right. Okay. And and what we do know is that we have a pretty good indication because of his size that, you know, he'll he'll be effective when he comes back. Yep. But what degree? His game will change. Yep. But what degree? He'll okay. still have his size. He'll, he'll still, still have the jump shot. Yeah. Now, but, the, the, the one thing – that all of the executives have all said, which, I mean, it was like, it wasn't just one. It was like multiple, right? It was like, it was like one of those 2 a.m. calls for me where everyone kind of wanted to know what's the thought process, thought process and how they should think. But it was a consensus that it's, Kevin Durant has two things that won't deteriorate with age or an injury. He has size and he has length. When he gets done, whatever he gets done, whether he's 34 years of age, coming off this injury, he will be seven feet, which is a significant advantage for him mm-hmm. because his game isn't dependent on speed and quickness. Yep. Okay. But we know his game will have to change. Now, does that mean he'll be a stretch four now? Does that mean he'll be more of a, a spot-up shooter now? But whatever it is, his game will have to change because it's going to take some time before before the physicality and the trust that he's going to need with the lower extremity injury. Okay. And most of the executives wanted to know, like, how they should, you know, what am I hearing? Because, you know, everyone has to fill each other out, you know? Sure. Um, and I found that really interesting that this is the first time that no one, you know, it, it, there are a lot of smart people in the room, right? And this is the first time that I felt like everyone was like, okay, what's going on here? They have no, no they have idea. nothing in the past to draw from. Okay. So that was that night when Kevin got hurt. Then when Clay got hurt, the phone just exploded. Cause now everyone is saying, not only do I have to think about playing, I gotta think about paying these players, and I gotta think about the luxury tax. That was gonna be my next question. Value. How do so you measure, measure value, value now? now? when you know these players are coming off of significant injuries. And I got so many calls asking me, how did I handle the Derrick Rose situation? And I and one GM called him and said, you know what? Now I understand what you were trying to tell me then. That, yes, physically, you may be cleared to play. But mentally, spiritually, you don't know what these players are dealing with. And it's it's isn't it wild that this season we had both the DeMarcus Cousins situation and Gordon Hayward situation mm-hmm. to kind of learn from and see. Like Gordon was clearly not back mentally, not in rhythm, shouldn't have been starting at the beginning of the season. DeMarcus doesn't come back until January. He finds a rhythm, I think, quicker than people right. thought he would, and then he goes down again. It, it's it. This is uncharted this territory. Is, so we're we're here and and not only are we talking about and those two players you just mentioned are terrific players, but you're talking about arguably two players that people would consider are a notch above those two players, and those guys are mm-hmm. all stars. Yep, you're talking about two you, two, two max players, top two top fifteen, 15 players, players in, in the, the world in the, in the world in the world. Okay, so. Now you have Kevin Durant situation, which I don't think anyone knows really how to think about it. Then you have Clay situation where I don't know how you really want to think about that one. Then how does that affect Anthony Davis situation? Mm-hmm. And then we have another player who won on the other end who was, by the way, he wasn't 100% healthy. Nope. And he may leave. 
So the league right now, regardless of what they're saying today, <laughs> everyone's kind of like, how do we look at this? The owners are looking at it from the business perspective. The, the, the basketball people are like, well, you know, arguably now. I, but there's one consensus I will say that I think most people will, will, will say this, and maybe not outwardly, is that they only consider one player now in this free agency that actually will affect the bottom line as far as winning and losing. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. Not Kyrie Irving. Not Kyrie Irving. Now, that has kind of been the consensus or the feel that I've gotten in speaking collectively with the group. When I say the group, the NBA mm-hmm. circle. Kawhi Leonard is the only player now that wherever he goes, he will affect your bottom line as far as winning. That's wild. Like, now, s- somebody is going to prove that wrong. Well, you we, don't, we don't know who that is. But yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a fairly deep list of free agents who can have a real effect on teams in the right situation. Obviously not as a lead superstar like Kawhi, but there are some damn good players out there. Okay, well, what you're talking about is complimenting Mm -hmm. the lead guy. Kawhi Kawhi is what all of the the NBA executives would consider a standalone talent. Mm -hmm. A standalone. Now... The one thing that I find very interesting is Danny Ainge in all of this. Great transition. And the reason I find Danny Ainge very interesting is because Danny's been around this league for a long time. Danny Ainge, in my humble opinion, is not afraid to trade for Anthony Davis. And the reason being is because he sees this as an opportunity to do what all teams probably don't want to say they're doing, but are doing. He sees an opportunity to get a player and financially have his books clear in a year. Win a champ, Potentially win, win a championship, championship, just like Toronto did. Bingo. Bingo. That was the genius of Masai. The genius of Masai was... Kawhi leaves? Okay, we still want a title. And his books are clear. Yeah. His books are clear. His books are... In order, and financially, they're in order to go to, like, what every team we're talk- we've been talking about, which is, you know what, build through the draft or build however you want to build. But his books are clean. That was the genius of Masai. And Danny Ainge is not afraid of all of this. Well, I'm going to, you know, all of the things we hear with, with circling around Anthony Davis. In the end, what does the owners want? Hey, I got a team. I got a team that can compete. We win, and my books are clear. And Danny Ainge, to me, has the courage to call the bluff of what it is. Like, most of the players think now. Danny Ainge thinks now. Danny Ainge isn't like, well, I'm preparing for the future five years from now or whatever. He is ready, and his team is ready right now, so... I see him so if, if going forward with that. If Kawhi leaves, that's $21 million off the books. Gasol has a player option for $25 million. He's got to opt in. He's going to opt in. Abaka, $23 million, one more year. It's player option or he's no, locked in. Locked in. Lowry one more year at $34 million. So it. Toronto's got money on the books next season, but then after that. Genius. Yeah. Genius. Like, yeah. So, so the question is, can they get Kawhi to come back? And then they reshape the team mm-hmm. as they move mm-hmm. forward with him. And Mark Gasol will be in a situation similar to Al Horford where maybe you get him to opt out, sign a longer-term deal for less money, and and go that way. And then you have Van Fleet, you have Siakam, you have uh, the kid who was out who I think has really good potential, uh, uh, OG uh, Anubi from Mm -hmm. uh, Indiana. And they're in an interesting place right now. So so back to Ainge because – Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. this game that seems to be going on with Rich Paul with the Lakers. 
last night all I want to do is watch the NBA Finals, and I got people texting me about Kyrie Irving. And I'm like, guys, A, I don't care. B, he's going to change his mind at least three more times before free agency starts. But as reports or sources are saying now, is the Brooklyn thing is done. He went to Rock Nation. He's going to Brooklyn. So if you're Danny Ainge, Kyrie Irving chooses to leave. You have all of these assets, young talent, movable contracts, draft picks. Many of those resulted from the Brooklyn deal that everyone speaks so highly of, starting with me. Do you put that position in danger of going after Davis to win potentially just one title and then you're in flat rebuild mode after that if he leaves is it is it worth it i think what's worth it i think what's worth it is is when you have an opportunity you go for it because you never know when you're getting back yep. and look Kyrie, as we know is a, it, look he's a terrific talent i mean you can't argue this kid is very he's gifted you know he has the ability to score he has the ability to get shots create offense and all of those things the truth of it is is that you know what Kyrie alone can't be your you know that that's you you, you can't say like a Kawhi Leonard you look at him and you go that guy right there I got Kawhi he changes it's not the same level nope no we saw that okay the the, the way the game is played it's that's very difficult to do from a lead guard position because a lead guard has other responsibilities got to distribute the ball he's got to defend the other team's guards he's got to you know run the team do all those things let alone score like we're seeing today so and then you know you got to build a team around them to complement what he does well because if you take away his ability to score Kyrie Irving isn't Kyrie Irving Kyrie Irving has to have the ability to score and the greatest little man the only, the greatest little man, and the only little man that they built the championship around is Isaiah Thomas. Yep, your guy. Okay, he's the only little man in the history of this game where they've built a team around and they've actually won. So, the blueprint is already set of how that's going to look. That was a great defensive team in the Detroit Pistons. You have to put another guard around him so that you can allow Isaiah to run the team, do the things. And then when he has to go out and score 20, 24 points in a quarter, you got to have a Joe Dumars next to him. You got to have a Benny Johnson next to him. You got to have defensive pieces. You have to have a center or a big who can stretch the floor, a la Bill Lambeer. Bill Lambeer was a stretch five before we were calling them stretch fives. Okay. So – so do you so do you discount the 2015 Warriors in that convo because that team in many ways was built around Steph? Even it was though built, it was built around uh, it built around Steph, but Steph doesn't have the same responsibilities right. of an Isaiah Thomas. Yep, that's the difference. He's got the talent of an Isaiah Thomas, but he doesn't have the same responsibility. Yeah. You didn't see Isaiah Thomas guarding the two guards. You didn't see Isaiah well, Thomas. Well, it's interesting, too. Isaiah had Dumars next to him, and yes. Steph, of course, has Clay next to him. But Isaiah Thomas wasn't guarding Michael Jordan. No. <laughs> okay. No. He was guarding you. Isaiah was guarding. So it's not that he doesn't have the talent. It's just that you have the different responsibilities of these yeah. players as, you, as, it, as it goes to the game. Kyrie Irving is a terrific talent. Offensively. You're not arguing anything. But that alone in today's game is not going to translate because there are going to be other players out there. And and he had moments this season where he was in that floor general mode where it just wasn't about scoring. He was setting guys up, and he was doing it, and then we all see him going in and out of that. As a a, a guard playing this league, that is the hardest thing to do is to be able to manage the game. Like – when you watch Jason Kidd and these guys, they made it look really easy. That's very difficult I to mean, do. The ultimate game manager, yeah, right? I mean, he's ultimate. I mean, the, the Magic Johnson. And, and, and Kyle Lowry has become a real Kyle good Lowry game manager, is a, too. He manages the game. Yeah. John Stockton, Maurice Cheeks, 
all of these guys who have this ability now, we marvel at Damian Lillard, these guys who score. But the game manager, the quarterback out there. The managing of the game is a different. I'd I'd love an analytic for that. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's just a different, like, like I wasn't a high assist number, but if the game wasn't managed, okay, then Michael couldn't catch the ball in the scoring position. Scottie Pippen, Scottie, I, my role was to manage the game so that when Scottie Pippen played the game and he had eight assists, okay, but he may have 25 points, 11 rebounds, 12 assists, but he may have like eight turnovers. Mm. <laughs> okay. So my job was to make sure that I had no turnovers and be able to manage the game so that these terrifically talented players, it balanced itself out. Yep. You, you see. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 being able to manage the game is different than being able to just go out and get assists and yep. score points and all of these things. So, look, Danny's already saying – Going back to the Celtics, Danny Ainge is already saying we got to the conference finals without not not only Kyrie Irving, without Hayward, twenty four minutes away from the finals. Okay, so if I just add Anthony Davis to that, what am I losing? Yeah, with with Gordon there, what am, what is he losing? You're losing what Jason Tatum could be. Okay, so and then now with that, what you're saying is okay. The following year, his books are clear. Al Horford comes off the books, potentially. Kyrie Irving's off the books. Anthony Davis is off the books. We got a championship. Yeah, let's shuffle I the mean, cards. I, listen, let's do it again. I, the, the, like, the, the, so here's here's what I want to get into quickly. Danny Ainge, Rich Paul. There's a game going on, and. There's also a game going on between the Lakers and the Celtics. Who's leveraging who with assets and trade packages for what's needed to get Davis? So first, I want to talk about Paul and Ainge because Paul keeps saying Davis is not going to likely not going to stay here. What's the what's the what's the back and forth? What's the game like between agent and GM in a situation like this? I don't think I don't see it as a game. Like, okay. I, I don't I don't see I don't I don't see it as a like the game. Like, here's the situation. Here are the facts. Anthony Davis has one year. That's it. I, what's the What's the game? Like, he has one year left. Great. That's all I need. <laughs> I I don't see the game. Okay. I don't see like. Well, if this. Like, at, when you're at this level is, is in, in professional sports, you have, to have, you have to have the ability, especially as a general manager and an executive, is to dis- display leadership that is necessary and put on the blinders and get rid of all of the what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, Eric, like, tomorrow, Clay Thompson was going to sign... Uh, a max deal. I still think he will with the Warriors. Yeah, I'm not saying he won't. Yeah. But it was, it was right. that was going to happen tomorrow. Right. Kevin Durant was going to sign with someone tomorrow, but something happened today that we have to deal with. And the best players that play in this league always deal and say they have to deal with the moment. Here's the moment. He has one year left. He's a. T- Anthony Davis is a terrific player, and you know what? I'll, when I get to tomorrow, it will be today. <laughs> when I get to tomorrow, it will actually be today. So let me deal with today. Today, I have an opportunity to do what's in my best interest of my team. That's a fact. doesn't matter what happens. <clears throat> this person is saying. doesn't matter what the coaches are saying. It doesn't matter what the – People outside of the – we have a team, we have a group of guys, and we have a group that we feel can win today. That's all that matters. And then after that happens, it's on you. Eric, 
I did my part. Yeah. I, I brought you here. I brought the best team I could put together. We won a championship. And no one can take that away from us. Like, the only people that matter, <laughs> Eric, the only people that matter of all the years of playing the NBA are the people that were in that locker room with me. That's it. Yep. And all yeah. of this other stuff, Eric, really, it makes for good theater. It sure. It makes for good. But you know what? Like, I'm going to go back to my player mode now. Like, it really doesn't matter. It really, like, like, the reason I was able, the reason I, and I say I, the reason that I was a part of a championship team is because in between the lines, nothing else mattered. Well, that goes back to our combo of, like, and, what's and happening it, between the lines, lines versus outside And you the know lines. what, Eric? You know what? And it's the one thing that I will say this about players. Players respect other players. Yep. And you know what? If I can give you a little dark secret about the NBA, I want what's best for Eric and his family outside of this locker room. I want you to be the happiest that you can be. Wherever you want to be, I'm, I want you to do that. I want you to make as much money as I can. But while we're here in this locker room, let's respect each other. That's an unwritten rule. And Danny Ainge is sticking by the rules of the game. <laughs> you stick Now, it may not be the most popular, well, what about such and such? Danny Ainge, no, he's been in that locker room a few with, times. with very strong personalities, yep. Larry Bird. When you're down 2-0 in a series, you can't afford, Eric, to listen to anybody else other than them other 11 people that's in that locker room. If I got a chance to get Anthony Davis talent in my locker room, yeah, Eric, I'm going to take it, and we're going to respect you, and all we're asking is the same respect that we give you, and let's have a good time. Because if you put him on the floor with Al Horford and Rozier and all of the pieces, I like my chances. And, talent and, wins, right? And, 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 and all No, talented players win. Talent alone don't win. Talented players win. And then we will have this connection. I don't care what Kawhi does. Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry and the city of Toronto will be connected forever. Forever. No. And, no. and simplifying it to that and simplifying it to if you can go all in and get that banner, get then what happens after that you deal with tomorrow? Get if the Warriors have taught us anything, nothing's guaranteed. Yep. If the Warriors have taught – if we <laughs> – Kawhi Leonard was, what, MVP of the finals, what, 2012? 2014. 2014? Okay. Last year, this time, he wasn't even able to play. You never know when this is going to be taken away from you. So let's keep this thing in person. If I can get one championship, one. Eric, let's put this. If I can get one, not like, well, we got a chance to build a dynasty. If I can get one. You got to start with one. Eric, who, who's not going to take that? Yeah. Who is not going to take that? So, I mean, all this other stuff, who else is playing on the court other than Anthony Davis's talent is what we're getting here. Yeah. And all of the other things that are exterior and whatever, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. And that is leadership to me. What Danny Ainge is doing. Like, you know what? Man, I got a chance. I got a chance. He continues to put them I in, got a, in a position to and improve and have a chance at winning it. And more importantly, financially, it works. Yeah. They're not, they won't be handicapped. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate that that Hayward deal is what it is. But listen, they, they signed Look, all-star Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward. You couldn't anticipate Gordon this. Gordon Hayward. We all understand injuries are part of the deal, mm-hmm. okay? It's part of, knock on wood, you hope every player stays healthy. But, you know, when you look at this, you got to say, take my chances. I got Gordon Hayward, Anthony Davis, 
Rogier, Horford. Horford. Ho- they'd likely Marcus keep. Smart. They'd probably lose Smart and keep Brown. Brown. Smart. Tatum. Ho- Smart. Well, yeah, Tatum whatever, would go. Yeah, one of those guys. Smart and Tatum would be gone. Yeah. Unfortunately. Okay. Hey. You're adding that guy. Okay. What have you heard about Anthony Davis's injuries? If anything, that would give anyone a cause for pause. And I have to ask it because of what we've seen with injuries, obviously, well, this last week. Injuries are part of it. It's part of it's part of the games, part of the the, the deal. So I, look, with his talent, <laughs> I'll deal with that. <laughs> sure, I'll, I'm I'm dealing with that, and um, and you know what, you understand, and you. Look, Kawhi took what twenty-two games this year in, yep. in the way. So you you and you they were seventeen and five without you him. deal with it. You just yep. Eric, these are things you deal with, and you don't worry about the things you can't control. Look, if if someone is injured, hey, there's nothing you can do. Like nothing you can do, and and I'm just going out there and playing. And 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 Anthony Davis, wherever he wants to play. He should go there. He should go there, and and then they'll figure out how to build a team and all of those things. But in the meantime, if I got a chance to get him for one year, how do I get him? You said your piece. <laughs> Is there gamesmanship going on between the Lakers and the Celtics because they both want them, or is that something that's being slightly blown out of proportion in terms of what's being leaked as far as trade packages and driving up the price? I think think it's blown out of proportion because everyone (laughs) – clearly the Lakers have – the Lakers have, have a huge dilemma. You want to get this great talented player but at what cost because the cost is you still have to build out a roster right okay you can't you can't gut that whole thing you can't play two against five no and they can't do what they did last year is sign all those one-year deals around around your your best player okay so you still have to build out a roster okay so and then you have the dilemma of you have these young players who haven't we don't really know who Kuzma is going to be. Yep. We don't know who Lonzo Ball is going to be. Okay, you know, D'Angelo Russell leaves here as a, you know, young, struggling, maybe rookie player, and all of a sudden, a year later, he's an all-star. Yep. Okay, so these aren't easy decisions. but And, and the reason they aren't easy decisions is because your best player is in the – Middle, or wherever you want to put us in his end of his prime, his prime, wherever you want to put it, that his best player isn't clearly now. This isn't like, well, I got two years to figure this out. So you have a real serious problem because in two or three years, they will probably be back in the same position they are right now without the development of these young, talented players that they've drafted, and they have time invested into it. And the thinking, I think, is bring Davis in, the torch gets passed to him, and you're you're building the team around him as you move forward. You're building the team around him. How? Because in two or three years, let's assume they make the playoffs. Right. Not getting those high draft picks. You're not getting those high draft picks. So, and then he's at the what end of his career? Where is he at in the time frame? So is he going to say in three years at thirty some years of age? Okay, yeah, I'm 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 in for the long haul. Right. So to me, when you look at all of this, it's a very complex thing they're trying to pull off here because LeBron has to be now, and then how many of these veteran players that you can get that can actually help you on these one year deals. So lots to pay attention to, obviously, with free agency, Lakers and Celtics, Rich Paul, Anthony Davis, Danny Ainge. Um, To close, and I'm going to keep you on a shot clock here. Mm -hmm. 
have we seen the last of the Warriors dynasty or are all we experiencing now is a pause due to the circumstances around these injuries? Well, the, 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 the ex-athlete, the ex-athlete in me never, never uses the word never. Um, what you're seeing is you, without question, they're going to have to figure out how to uh, do this in a different way. Without question, right? Um, experience has taught me a lot in this league, and one of the things it, te- it has taught me is is anytime I watch a team that has an opportunity to win multiple championships, I'm always reminded anything that has a beginning also has an ending. And I, I, I learned this for better or for worse that every championship comes to an end but when it ends, it's always going to end bad. Hmm. It's always going to end bad, right? And when you saw the bad boys, you saw how that ended. When you saw the Bulls, oh, the Lakers, it always ends bad. Every single one of them. Something happens that is unexpected. Okay, it's, it's called the me factor, right? It's, it's human nature. Yep. You know... When I won, I, I, I was very fortunate to have great people around me, and they said, look, now that you, now you know who the enemy is, and it's human nature. It's only human nature that you want more money. It's only human nature that you know people started wanting to take credit. It's, that's human nature. But and I had a coach who said, okay, now you're about to deal with life. It's not, this, isn't, this isn't basketball. You win your first championship. You stop playing basketball, and now you're just dealing with life. And he said, you know, you got two things now you got to deal with. You got to learn how to deal with success, and you got to learn how to deal with failure. And no one's really kind of figured it out. On that note, great show, my friend. Great show. Great to see you. And uh, and I will say this: it always ends bad, Eric. Every single every every single one of them. So when you and I, we just keep it moving. Keep it moving. Good stuff. For Bruce Bernstein, Benjamin Wolfen, the entire Pure Hoops Media team, hope you enjoyed the pod. Hope you have a great weekend. The Mike Wise Show, Mondays, Catch and Shoot, Wednesday, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, Thursday, Pure Hoops Podcast. We'll be back next week talking free agency, NBA draft, and the ongoing drama that surrounds the world of basketball. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. The Pure Hoops Podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.